like to welcome everybody. Um, we've got 21 of you signed up. Clarissa, hello, Vicenta from Holy Family in Toronto. Hello, Vicenta. Um, just so happy that you're here. So it's Ascension Thursday, so I'd like to acknowledge that it's Ascension Thursday. I do think it's important um, that we ask ourselves the question, why is Ascension Thursday important? And I'm going to ask our uh, you know, the mom that's helping me, Mariana, to post in the chat box there um, a little YouTube video by uh, Father Baron about why Ascension Thursday is important. So I want you to grab that link and watch it another day. Um, tomorrow is also the start of the Novena to the Holy Spirit. So I, I beg all of you, St. Augustine's semin uh, Seminary is actually starting a nine-day virtual retreat. Um, I love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> For anyone that knows me, I'm always calling on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Even when I'm cooking, Holy Spirit, come. So uh, the Holy Spirit is just a fantastic, fantastic advocate on ours. Oh my gosh, we're up to 24 participants. I keep on saying hello to us. So why are we here? We're here to pray together. We're here for you to meet a couple of amazing moms. And we're here to discuss balancing work and home. So I always remember, I always ask everyone to remember, why are we here? We're here to pray. We're here to meet some new moms, amazing moms. And we're here to learn this week how to balance work and home. So the prayer, I'm gonna pray the prayer to the Holy Spirit. It's my all time favorite prayer. I've given out thousands and thousands of copies of this postcard. If you want a copy, um, just you're gonna to have to email me and I will mail it to you eventually, but I've mailed and sent out and given out thousands of copies it's my favorite prayer, so we're going to use that to start the session today. Um, and if you could just listen prayerfully, oh, Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me, tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire of me and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Only let me know your will. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, a hello from Vitsna at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham. Oh, so keep on saying hello, keep on joining us. I wanna introduce you to two amazing mothers. Um, uh, Debbie is one of our mother's group leaders in uh, Orangeville. She runs two mother's groups. Debbie, tell us a little bit more about yourselves, like besides being a mother's group leader in Orangeville and running two groups at St. Timothy's, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, welcome everybody. It's so great to all be together today. And uh, so I've been married 30 years. We have three adult sons and two grandchildren. Uh, I work uh, as a pediatric occupational therapist uh, in Orangeville, so working with children with special needs. And uh, I've been doing that for over 30 years. And so, yes, yeah, certainly it's been a, a lifetime of trying to juggle 
work and family. And uh, so hopefully we can dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, and so you've had your own practice for 20 years, right? So you've yes. been self-employed for 20 years? Yes. Um, what, what type of children, like I know that you're in private practice, um, mm -hmm. and so if, if somebody were considering to working with you, what type of work do you do and what type of children do you serve? So I, I, I work with children who have autism, who have some behavioral challenges, who have some mood disorders. I do a lot of supportive counseling for parents, for moms in particular, to try to look at how, how to work through and navigate some of the, the difficulties that different life stages Bring and uh, and working with children, assessing their development, and then providing some treatment sessions, some consultation to schools and daycares, uh, and people in the community, so we can all work together to try to help children become the best version of of, uh, of themselves, right? And and to do that in a in a loving, supportive way. Now, if if somebody wanted to. I you know, to learn more about you, where could they go about your professional work? Do you have a website or something? I do. Yes, I do. It's uh, the business is my kids OT. So the website is just my kids OT. Kids OT. So if, if, yeah. if your children you know, have um, autism and or if you need any additional yeah. support, um, yeah. Debbie is certainly um, would love to hear from you. So I would. We've got a wealth of experience. Uh, you know, Debbie being. Oh, look at this. We've got. I'm sorry. I keep on bouncing parts. Oh. Additional guests here joining us. Kristina uh, Zasowski. Teresa, does Kristina Zasowski does that mean name mean anything to you? <laughs> I was going to write back. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to introduce uh, uh, Teresa. Remind me of your last name because I didn't, I don't have it written down here, so I'm sorry. Ostapovich, no problem. Ostapovich, so Dr. Teresa Ostapovich is a mother of two. I had the opportunity to chat with her on Zoom just, I think, yesterday, and I, I got off the call and I was just so inspired. Um, Teresa, can you, can you tell uh, you know, the moms that are here today, just a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about what the last couple of, last sort of four or five years have been like in your life. So tell us a little bit about yourself professionally. And uh, sure. tell us about the last I'll, start, I'll start from the beginning. I'm one of eight children. My mom, who runs a mother's group at All Saints Church in Toronto, um, she has eight kids and I'm one of them. And uh, <laughs> I went to medical school in Krakow, Poland. Uh, I tried to get into med school in Canada three times, um, but it never was successful. So somebody told me that there was an opportunity over there, applied, and within two months, I moved my whole life over there. Didn't know very many, actually didn't know anybody really there, and um, did four years of medical school there, met my husband, Daniel. He's another Canadian, but he's living in Ed he was living in Edmonton. We matched and we did family medicine residency. We're both family doctors. Uh, we matched in Chicago. So we were living there for three years. And uh, now we're back. We're back home in Canada. 
well, you forgot to mention what happened in Chicago besides your residency. <laughs> yeah, I guess because I'm part of the moms group uh, as a panelist here, I became a mom. I was um, became a mom twice. I have two daughters, Laura, who's three and a half years old, and Amelia, who's 14 months old now. So I don't know about you ladies who are, are listening here. Hello, Anne from Brampton, and hello, Clarissa. Um, and just hello to Anna Chapetta and Christina from St. Patrick's, and Martha, hello to all of you. But I don't know if this registered when, um, when, you know, when Dr. Ostapovich was speaking, but I, I want you to think about this. Okay. Number one, she applies for medical school in Toronto several times, doesn't get in. So she applies to a medical school in Krakow, Poland, and she gets up and moves <laughs> to Krakow, Poland to go to school. While she's in Krakow, she meets the love of her life. And here they are in love in Krakow studying in Krakow, and then they have to move. Where did you get married? We got married on Ronsonsville at St. Casimir's in Toronto. So you got married, and, so, and then so they, they came to Toronto, they got married, then they moved to Chicago for residency, and Teresa, she had her two children, she gave birth to her two children in Chicago, and then they came to back to Canada, right? Like, I don't know about you, but for me giving birth at St. Joseph's Hospital in Toronto was stressful enough. <laughs> so this moved to Krakow, then moved to Chicago, have two children in Chicago, and then, and then, and then you moved somewhere else. Teresa, tell us about it. Yes, yeah, so we started working at um, a private practice in Woodbridge, which is a suburb just north of Toronto. And it was actually with my dad. And the COVID um, whole situation, um, you know, blew up. And we found that there was not much of a demand for us. We were a little bit um, redundant, I guess, uh, because everything went to telephone encounters and patients were just scared to come to offices in general. And so uh, there was some COVID funding in Barry's Bay, Ontario, and there was a need for a physician to staff the hospital there. So my husband and I moved up here to Barry's Bay, where we work at St. Francis Memorial Hospital now. So I, I'm just so inspired by how incredibly responsive you are and like how much has happened um you know talk about juggling you know and, and how many years was that that all of that happened so medical school was four years residency three years and we i finished residency last august so eight years so in the last eight years you've had like all of these moves giving birth to children um can, can you tell me a little bit, Teresa, like, what's your secret? How do you do this? Like, how do you juggle all of this? Do, do you have some secrets for us? I don't know if there's a secret. Um, I just remember how hard it was at the beginning. When I, when I moved to Poland, I moved to medical school. I didn't know how I could do it. I was so homesick. I remember for the first couple of months, I couldn't call home. I called home once a week and for the rest of the day, I would just lay in my bed crying the whole day. 
I, because I just, it was so, you know, you know, one of seven, you know, one of eight kids, seven brothers and sisters, so much of it was based at home that um, all that was taken away from me. Um, so I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really know what to do, but I, I took a piece of paper and I took my pencil crayons and I just wrote, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And I posted it up on my door. And every day when I left my dorm room, I looked at that and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's tackle this day. Um, and then, you know, it just, just one, one day at a time. And then I remember in residency again, I had, you know, the baby and it was, it was really overwhelming. You were alone. You know, you always had family coming and going, but it was, it was a lot to juggle. And I remember walking in for my 12 hour shifts and I would be walking to work and I said, okay, if I don't have the strength from God to last the whole shift, just last, give me strength to last the hour. And if the hour's too long, give me strength to last the five minutes. And if the five minutes are too long, just get me through that one minute. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so, so beautiful, that, that scripture passage. And for those of you that are joining us today, um, one thing that was not so much a coincidence, I don't think, but when, when Debbie and Teresa and I, we had sort of a practice call before today so we can kind of get to know one another, Debbie said, that that was her favorite scripture passage too. So Debbie, could you tell us a little bit about what that scripture passage means to you? Yes, and so for me, in the early days with juggling three children, they were, within four years, we had three children. And I was working full time uh, for the first, while we, until our second child. And then I went back part time. And this verse kept popping up in all kinds of wonderful places. And it made me realize that everything that we do, we have to lean in on Christ. And my mother-in-law is a lovely inspiration to me in my faith uh, formation. She said to me, I would say, Maria, I am too busy to pray. And she said, Debbie, that these are the very times when you must pray. Right? When we're too busy to pray, it means we need God more than ever. So these moments, I think for all of us moms, right? There's times when we all feel this is too much. And as Teresa said, one hour, one minute. But we pray to our mother Mary to, to pray for us now, right? And at the hour of our death. But it's all happening right now. We can get caught up in our worries about what's going to happen tomorrow. We can get caught up on all the mistakes maybe we feel we've made as moms and the things we should have done, could have done, would have done. But really, it comes down to the choices we make in the moment. And if we have God as part of our marriage, right, and in our domestic church, in our family, then he can strengthen us and we can do all things through him. Right? And, and and so it just, it brought goosebumps to me that, you know, like Debbie and Teresa and I, like the three of us, like, okay, Debbie and I know one another, but this is kind of, yesterday was the first time I had the opportunity to chat with Teresa and hear this scripture passage, you know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me was some, was a scripture passage that both Debbie and Teresa and I have, have leaned on, you know, 
Um, I think it's, you know, maybe as a takeaway from our session today, some of you can actually take that uh, scripture passage and tape it on your fridge or tape it on the, you know, on the door leaving the house, um, just as Teresa did. So uh, sometimes the scripture passage is something that really, really roots us. Now, Teresa, um, you know, you, you come from a family of 10, um, and now you're starting your own family, and you are juggling a lot, you know, like you're juggling a move, you're juggling, you know, how old are your kids again? Three and a half and one. Yeah, three and a half. And, and so what are some of the things that you're trying to do as a, a Catholic mom to sort of create, you know, a Catholic culture in your own family? What are some of the things that, that you're doing? I know it's hard juggling it all, but I'd love to hear about what are some of the things you're doing. Sure. Um, to be honest, I used to love, you know, to read a lot of novels. I used to read about the saints, I used to read um, a lot in general. And after, you know, medical school, then, then residency with the kids, reading, the only reading I do really is the medical reading because you just don't have time to pick up the books. Um, but we have been trying to integrate as much, you know, um, religion or, or just some some structure that, that integrates this Catholicism into our kids' lives. So every night before we go to bed, we, we pray a short prayer. Um, during Lent, we started praying the rosary almost every day. And our oldest daughter, Laura, she's so cute. She started singing the Our Father. Every, every Our Father, she would sing it, but always in Polish, because that's, <laughs> that's what she likes. And, uh, and little things like grace before meals. Um, well, one more thing is I started, they like watching uh, their you know, YouTube, they like listening to their uh, songs. But my favorite song um, is Above All by Michael Smith. So every few songs that they listen to, I say, okay, now it's mommy's favorite song. <laughs> and they know. And Laura even like finds it on YouTube. She's like, mom, can I turn on your favorite song now? <laughs> and so little, little things like that. Just having, um, you know, little, little signs of Jesus around, it, it brushes off on the kids. Yeah, and, and so, you know, just simple things like morning prayers and evening prayers and, and grace. And, you know, I kind of find that it kind of depends on how much time you have and how much where you are in your faith life. So, um, you know, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, too, like you, you know, as you mentioned, Kristina Zasowski, your mom is a mother's group leader at All Saints Parish. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how growing up in a large family, um, you know, like so many, so many moms tell themselves, oh, I can never have a large family. And I'm always eager to speak to kids that grew up in a large family, what their experience was. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um I was the second oldest. I was the oldest daughter. So I'm sure if you ask, you know, any one of my brothers or sisters, everyone has a different experience where you lay on the, on the, on the, the, the order list. But um, I always, I always think, and I reminisce with my sisters, we had a great childhood. Like it was almost idyllic. You know, we probably didn't have, you know, all the scheduled, you know, lessons. I know we always did swimming lessons. We always did piano lessons. Because mom says you need to know how to swim. And I don't know why piano, but we all did piano. And um, 
Otherwise, I just remember being outside for hours at a time. We would play with the neighbors. We always had kids who were neighbors. Um, it wasn't very structured. It was pretty freeform, but it was it was carefree. It was it was great. Yeah. So so you loved having a lot of siblings. You loved having. We we loved it, and we we took care of each other. You know, my mom couldn't you know keep track of all five six of us. You know, but I I had to keep track of some of them. It gave me some responsibility and you you got really close that way yeah well so that's uh, that's that's fantastic um so <clears throat> debbie you've managed you know a lot when i think of you know working full-time and then having you know three kids and having a, a a profession what are some of the things that you've done to kind of cope with juggling all of the multiple demands can you tell us some tips Sure. Yeah, I think for us, what has been most important and continues to be as life keeps changing, that's the constant, right, is the change, is um, above praying, I would say, as Teresa said, that's definitely the first thing we need to do. But also being really intentional about what our priorities are, right? And, and Teresa and I, both being in healthcare, we were speaking about this earlier, that we really, our hearts are in both places, right? Our hearts are definitely there with our children, right? With our husband, but we also care very much about the, the clients that we support and serve. And so I think, but always trying to keep the vocation of motherhood at the forefront and, and looking at being realistic, I think about how much time and energy do we have and as we go through different life stages, that, that too changes, right? There could be years uh, of sleep deprivation. Probably Teresa's in that stage right now. And, uh, and so trying to look at what are our resources with time and energy, emotional resources, and then trying to figure out how can we put what's most important, the big rocks in first, and, and then add in and be able to say no. For me... Uh, this is this is a lifelong um, challenge, right? An opportunity to learn to say no sometimes because when we say no to certain things, we can say yes to other things, right? So yes, it's having that mindset of always being there, uh, being reflecting, right? Reflecting on our our time and looking at our family plate. How full is our family plate, and what what do we need to to juggle? There's a lot and now, a couple of things that have struck me in both Teresa, uh, you know, sort of chatting and you chatting, is that number one, you know, there are times in our life as a mother where we are suffering, right? So, and there are very real times that we're suffering even when we're not mothers, because, you know, there you were in Krakow, Poland, everything was stripped away from you and there was an agony there right and and i and, and you you know just openly admitted to crying yourself to sleep because you missed everybody so much and i think that one kind of myth is that as women we're supposed to be happy all the time right and that when we are suffering and we're crying that there's something wrong with that and um, I know Vicenta, you're, you, you've, you and I have always talked about this, that you know, so often 
we're supposed to cry. We're supposed to suffer. And it's okay. You know, like the one thing that drives me crazy about Instagram, um, and I'm on Instagram, but one of the things that drives me crazy is that our culture only ever shows, you know, the beautiful parts of motherhood, the beautiful part. And we're all expected um, always to be putting on this persona. And Teresa, like, thank you just so much for, you know, being vulnerable and open and, and for those of you that might be at a stage where you're crying and there might be a stage where you're suffering in your marriage or in your life that, you know, yes, there's a time and a place and that at home, we, we are allowed to kind of suffer through it. And there, I forget what the scripture passage is, but we can either be suffering to fulfill the will of God or we could be suffering because of our sinfulness and doing wrong, right? So if, if you're suffering because you're becoming a doctor and it's hard and you're doing something noble, yes, you're suffering, but you're suffering for good. Um, or you could be suffering because you drank too much wine and ate too much chocolate and you stole something. So you're still suffering then, but you're not suffering um, for an honorable cause, right? So if you're suffering for an honorable cause, um, it's just to allow yourself to acknowledge those emotions, to have them, to journal them, but also not to burden them on everyone. Like, you know, sometimes you meet women and, you know, they're at the TTC or every time you see them, you know she's gonna just tell you how much she's suffering, but to ponder those things in our hearts. Right, and to ponder those things in prayer. Um, so, you know, I, I, some people think they're doing something wrong because they're suffering. And it's like, well, no, you know, are you suffering for something noble or are you suffering because of a sin? And, and sometimes we do have to suffer for something noble. Um, so, Teresa, you mentioned uh, that there was a particular trait that you've had to develop. Uh, in order to respond to the Holy Spirit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that trait? Do you remember what we're chatting about? Flexibility? Flexibility, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's being flexible. Sometimes you, you have to be flexible. It's um, at the beginning, flexibility would be, came out of necessity. You had to be flexible because if you were rigid, well, sorry, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> Oh, but then, you know, as, as you see how other people do things and how you see yourself doing things the way that you hadn't envisioned it, you say, hey, this isn't that bad. It's working out quite well. And then you say, well, maybe I'll adopt that. And then it takes you in another direction, opens more doors. And, and you realize the plans that somebody else has made for you are much better than the plans you've made for yourself. And as long as you're willing to accept them and go along with them, uh, it makes it better than you could have even imagined. And, and, and this is one thing that's, you know, like you're nodding your head too, Debbie, right? That's, yeah. That you, you really do have to have like a bit of an openness, right? And, and so moms, those of you that have joined us today, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I flexible or am I frozen? Right? And if you're flexible, um, can you tell us a little bit more about flexibility, Debbie? How, how has that worked 
So, you know, yes. It's a character trait that we have to foster, right? Yes. And I would say with that flexibility also comes that creativity, right? And looking at many different ways to, to still be there for our family and juggle the work demands. And so uh, an example, when, when I had my private practice running out of my home, I started on Saturday mornings and our kids were three, four, and six. And my husband was so supportive in taking the kids out of the house every Saturday morning and they'd have a, a, a morning with dad. And I would be there working, um, seeing the clients. And then during the school day, I would drop the kids off at school. I'd run home like a mad woman, get you know some sessions done, go back, pick them up. We'd have our, have our check-in time after school and, and have friends over, do the bath time, story time, bedtime. And before I crawled into bed, I would go do emails and reports. And so I would have to adapt my schedule, almost like a split shift, right? So I would, I would have time with family, then work, then family, then work and a bit of sleep, right? And then <laughs> again the next day. So I'm sure many of you can relate to that uh, because it's an ongoing balancing act, right? And it, it does come with, with a cost, right? Usually sleep is one thing we tend to give up. Uh, and uh, we have to be really efficient too. Adaptable, creative, and also very efficient. How do we, how can we do things well? And how, how do we do them without maybe spending as much time. So maybe we have a certain time set aside to get our emails done. Uh, and, but then when that's done, we have to kind of flip the switch and, uh, and be, have the mom hat back on and, and try to just move from one. Yeah, one. I see here, Judith Mazona. Hi, Judith, uh, for oh. joining us. That she mentions another thing that you need to do to balance work and home is to ask help and to be very, very specific about the type of help that you're asking. Like, you know, sometimes saying to your husband, can you please pick up a barbecue chicken from Metro? Cause I am not gonna cook today. <laughs> Rather than, you know, just sort of, you know, complaining, which sometimes we, we have a tendency to do. Um, now, Debbie, you said something that got my attention and Teresa, I want you to kind of pipe in on it too. Um, I often say that our ministry, the reason that CatholicMomsGroup.com exists, um, the reason that we exist is to revive the vocation of motherhood, revive the vocation of motherhood. Um, what does the word vocation, what does the term vocation of motherhood mean to you, Teresa? What, what does that mean to you? That's, that's an interesting question. When you were asking me earlier, I was like, what, what does vocation mean? What I think it is, is for me, it's this feeling, a whisper, a feeling this in your soul that this is where you belong. Mm -hmm. When I'm a mom, I'm not always the most patient with my girls. You know, sometimes I, I just need a, a break away from them. But um, it when you're away from them, it hits you pretty hard. I remember both of my returning back from maternity leave. I took six weeks off for my first daughter, uh, four weeks off for my second. My board exams were when Emmy was four weeks old, exactly. Um, so you're my first day back, my eyes were red the entire time. I was crying the entire time. 
every time I hear a mom coming back to work, I still, I still cry or get teary every time because it's so, so painful leaving your kids. And that, that's what a vocation of motherhood is. It's that I know that's where I belong, that God made, or I, I was made for these girls. They were made for me. I might not be a great mom all the time, but I'm the perfect mom for them. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a beautiful, beautiful um, analogy. So, uh, you know, um, Debbie, what, what does vocation of motherhood mean to you? So, so uh, Teresa is yes. saying that like knowing from the depths of her soul that you know, she was intended to be the mother of these children and, and despite her imperfections, that there's like a spiritual connection between the two of them and being away from them is extremely uh, painful when her other vocation calls her away and she feels that agony. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yes, I, I, yeah. I think for me, the, the vocation of motherhood goes hand in hand with, with the vocation of marriage. So having, being a wife and mother is really an invitation I feel from God, a gift from God as a path holiness right it is something it's an it's a call an invitation for me to love when it hurts and to keep loving right so this this path this beautiful vocation you know gifts gifts come in all different shapes and sizes and, and each of our children um are are beautiful gifts that doesn't mean that uh you know that that uh, being a mom isn't challenging it really is but that challenge, when we invite God to walk with us on that road of motherhood, is there's there's joys and sorrows in every moment, right? Of every day, we all have these. Um, but but I see this as an opportunity to grow closer to God because I really need Him in my vocation as a mom. Uh, and so there's another sort of critical point because like sometimes like you know i get i get some beautiful emails from women and i get some really nasty emails from women and some of them have you know accused me well dorothy you are against working mothers and i'm like well no that's not true if you only knew how much i worked <laughs> you could there's no way you can say that uh, i in fact have battled workaholism um that's another topic i'd like to you know get into at one point but for me, the vocation of motherhood is doing my our best and what you know to be united with whatever the will of God is, right? And so, and, and to pray about every decision that you make that affects your children, to pray about every decision that you make that affects your husband, to pray about every decision that you make that affects your marriage, right? If you're united with the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit is going to take you to God's will. You know, and I would say it's, it's not Dorothy Polarski that's judging or telling you what to do. The only thing I tell women to do is to pray and make sure that you're living the life that God wants you to live because on your deathbed, you want to make sure that you look back and have that deathbed moment and say, yeah, I'm happy that I did what I did, whatever that is, you know? Um, I know in my own case, you know, I used to deliver seminars internationally 
And so I was spending a lot of time on airplanes and away from, um, you know, at that time, my fiance. And at one point I was like, is this even a relationship? Like you're in Washington delivering seminars. I'm in like Vancouver delivering seminars. I'm bawling my eyes out. You're going to the opera by yourself in Washington after a seminar. Is this even a relationship? Like this is nuts. And I was just like sobbing and, and we were engaged at the time and I was sobbing and sobbing. And it's like, okay, so I'm delivering a seminar in Hawaii and I'm all by myself. Um, and I'll never forget, I, I, didn't, I didn't know very many women that had large families and I was at the Honolulu Zoo. I was delivering a seminar on you know, communication skills and after the seminar was over, I, I went to the zoo and I saw this woman and she had five or six kids, like one on her shoulder, one on her arms. And I, I kind of looked at her and I was single and I'm like, oh, do you run a home-based daycare? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, these are my kids. I'm like, all of them? I'm like, are you nuts? <laughs> And then she looked at me and she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, and I was, I had the big shot itis gene at that point. I'm like, well, I'm an international speaker and I deliver corporate seminars, you know, Australia. And she goes, I feel really sorry for you. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I feel really, really sorry for you. She goes, you're, you're pouring yourself out to people you're never going to see again. Mm. And I was like, what? Like she, she just shook me up and uh, she goes like, why aren't you married at your age? Like, cause I got married quite late. And, uh, and so anyway, um, I didn't mean to tell that story, but I did. I, uh, but so when I first had my, my first child, Monica, I can, yes, I continued to work, but I did make a personal decision that if it means me getting on an airplane, I'm not doing it like you know and so like some of you in your careers now you, you might still want to continue to work um, but you might make some certain life-changing decisions right it might mean okay if it means I have to travel I'm not doing it if it mean, you know and so I'm just gonna call on the Holy Spirit here um, you know I know that my sister for example made the decision at one point to go from being full-time to part-time, right? Um, so, Teresa? Yeah, that's the decision where Dan and I have to make as well. So we did, for residency, the schedule, at least in the U.S., was very rigid. We didn't have much room to decrease our hours. Um, but now that we're, we're, you know, we're working, we both have independent licenses. Our whole plan was the two of us would take one full-time family physician's hours. And so we could each spend 50% of the time at home to raise our kids. Um, that, you know, because we, we always imagined, first of all, Dan wants to be an active father. He wants to help bring up the kids. And he said, you know, and, and I agreed too, that my career, there's, there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of place where I can help people in my career as well too so it would be a huge loss if I if I left it entirely um, but with our jobs we can have that flexibility 
And so it's in, we just have to figure out now how to make it work, but that's our dream. Yeah, and it's, it's the, the, the one thing too, I, I say that if you rely on the Holy Spirit, like a lot of moms forget that there is supernatural strength available to us, right? Um, I think many moms are trying to do it by themselves rather than recognizing there is a supernatural energy, supernatural strength that is available to us through our Catholic faith. Um, and, and, and the Holy Spirit gives us ideas we would just never have conceived of before. Um, I'd love to hear from some of the moms that have joined uh, us today about what are some things that you have done to uh, balance work and home. Um, we've, we've got certain prayers that Debbie suggested that they're in the chat box here. Uh, a parent's prayer, uh, one here praying for your children's future, which is beautiful. Lord, help our children to know the road you have chosen to them. May they give you glory and attain salvation. Sustain them with your strength and let them not be satisfied with easy goals. <laughs> Enlighten us as parents that we may help them recognize their calling in life and respond generously. May we put no obstacle in the way of your inner guidance. And so also, and trusting our children and praying for our children, um, I think is of just so important as, as mothers. Um, Debbie, do you have any kind of other tips on balancing work and home? So over the years, what I found really helpful is being able to ask for and graciously receive help. For some, it's easier often for many of us to be the helper but when somebody, when a neighbor or friend or relative says, hey, can I watch your kids for a few hours so you and your husband can go out, right? Or you take some me time, go take your bubble bath. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with the kids. Or you look really stressed because, you know, working full time and, or even part time, but having a lot on our plate, I'm going to bring you dinner, right? And so these sorts of things. So I think just being really open to the people that God puts in our life, right? The people he puts in our path and, and, and finding, finding that humility to say, yeah, I'm really struggling right now. Thank you, right, for that hot meal because, you know, frozen whatever, leftovers, seven days in a row, just, you know, maybe just for, that was all I could manage, right? And then you throw on top of that maybe a little bit of illness or something in, in the mix. Um, for us, my husband is still working lots of hours, probably 60, 70 hours a week. He works as an engineer and travels all over the world, and usually North and South America and Europe. But now with COVID, he's home and he's working, working from home. But for many years, we also had to, to figure out how we were going to juggle that and how could I sort of go from one day to the next and figure out how am I going to do this on four hours of broken sleep? I have to get to work. I have to be somebody's therapist, but right now my kids need me, right? And so that's when, when my mom might come or my sister come and help or a, a neighbor or a friend. And so really praying for, for that grace to have people 
journey with us, right? Our sisters in faith, our Catholic friends, all friends, to be able to have that coffee and cry together, right? Or that coffee <laughs> just say, I'm losing it right now. I'm sure yeah. some people can relate to this, right? And, and one of the reasons, you know, I've kind of devoted this stage of my life to starting as many Catholic mothers groups as humanly possible <laughs> um, is because I found that the women that I met in the corporate world didn't necessarily have the same values and the same convictions and the same character traits um, that I needed to become holy, <laughs> right? And I, when, and, and some mothers groups I would go to, you know, one woman would be talking about, you know, how much wine she had the night before, and then I'd go to another's mother's group and she'd be talking about, you know, her third husband. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. You know, or I'd be at the hockey arena and meet a mom and, you know, she would be dropping F-bombs. And I'm kind of like, why don't my kids to hear that, you know? And so in starting a Catholic mother's group, I, I tell you, to me, it was like winning a lottery. Starting a Catholic, you know, it, it feels like it's more work but in the end, it's like you're suffering for a greater cause in starting this mother's group because all of a sudden now you have these precious jewel of a women that are encouraging you to become holier. They're encouraging you to pray more. They're, they're baking for you. you know, and I was like, I had never met women like that before right? And like, I don't know about some of you, but I had kind of like this split in my brain where, okay, my mother and father, they're Polish, they're Catholic, they're pious, they're crazy, right? The real world doesn't work like that. <laughs> and now I go into the corporate world, and then I'm like, oh, what if my mother and father were right? Oh, and maybe, like, I didn't start praying the rosary till quite late in my life because I thought it was for old Polish ladies. I didn't think it was, <laughs> I didn't think I could get supernatural strength from the rosary, Dorothy Polarski, right? Um, and so I think that when we start a mother's group, we discover this treasure chest. Like, when I talked to Teresa yesterday, I was like, oh my gosh, she's such a treasure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like she's just done so much and she's so flexible and I'm not that flexible. Oh my gosh, I gotta become more flexible. <laughs> you know, and I meet Debbie and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's such a treasure, you know? And and I I just can't wait to this meeting on Thursday because I meet these treasure, you know, of a women of women. And it's it's such a precious gift. And so I, I'm begging any of you that might feel called to start a mother's group, I promise you that the mother's group will bless you a zillion times more than what you gave to it. I always say like you give like you give like this much to mother's group and then you get like like you know like, like the, the blessings I've received from the moms in my mother's group and um, I, I just, uh, we need each other as Catholic women, right? Because the women that we meet in the real world, quote unquote, um, you know, like they're not going to be cooking you a meal. 
they're going to be criticizing whether you're wearing the right thing on to work or, you know, when you're crying at work, they're going to mock you for being unprofessional, right? And so having this treasure chest of Catholic moms, um, so Vicenta, I have to read this, Vicenta says, I can attest to that. Going to your mother's group, Dorothy, I learned so much and it was so edifying. And so um, anyway, to balance work life, you also need friends that are going to support you on that journey, right? Um, and mother's groups, you're going to meet the women that will cook for you. Mother's group, you're going to meet the women that will pray for you. Um, one of the greatest secrets, too, is to find a mother's helper at a Catholic church. Um, I remember once someone put up a sign at Nativity of Our Lord Church, need a mother's helper. And I was like, I didn't even know what a mother's helper was. Well, it turned out to be a 13-year-old girl. Um, and her name was Anne. And she was from the Rebello family. And she came from a family of 12. And she had more experience as a 13-year-old taking care of kids than I did <laughs> as a 30-year-old. <laughs> because she had all these siblings, right? So um, looking for a mother's helper um, is, a, is another fantastic way. Sorry I go on too, on too much too long. I'm just so passionate I have trouble containing it in. Um, so, uh, Teresa, any more kind of thoughts as we're coming to a close? Anything you'd like to share with moms? Well, actually, you reminded me of something that we did in Chicago, because when we moved to Chicago, we didn't have a nanny either. And the way that our schedules worked, we needed a live-in, or at least somebody who could be called upon 24-7. And we put um, an ad in the bulletin. And we found this wonderful, wonderful Polish woman who lived for six months in Chicago, six months in Poland. And she taught Laura, well, she taught her how to pray. She sat her down and she prayed the Rosary with Laura every day. She uh, graced before meals and just a wonderful, wonderful woman. I can't sing her praises anymore. She still gives us gifts. She still FaceTimes us periodically. Um, but that's where that's where you find the right people it's true and and you know a person in the right environment flourishes a person in the wrong environment it just it just doesn't work out and we were so lucky to have the right environment we were in a catholic institution um that's where we did our residency saint mary and saint elizabeth medical center um we had a you know a nice polish catholic nanny and and I think that that helped us a lot. It wasn't through our own strength. It was the entire environment that made it happen. And the, uh, in, in the, the community, um, it, it's so important, and I'm so glad that you brought this up, Teresa, that when we're arranging care for our children, that we make sure that that care is rooted in our same convictions and our same beliefs, right? Um, because if you're trying to teach your kids, you know, their morning prayers and you're trying to, you know, make praying the rosary normal, and then you've got a nanny that's doing those things and is maybe even taking them to daily morning mass, right? What a gift, right? Whereas if you have a nanny that is smoking and drinking wine, right? And, and so to, to think about that when we're choosing uh, care, I know that Rema had mentioned 
too, she's a mother's group leader, that she found at St. Benedict's Parish an amazing woman that, um, that prayed with the kids as well. Uh, Debbie, any sort of closing thoughts for, for moms that are joining us today on how to balance work and home? Oh, Debbie, you know what? You and I had a conversation once in the kitchen of St. Uh, Timothy's, and you mentioned that you had this conviction that if we take care of things at home first, yes. can you tell us a, us a little bit more about that? And, and it's, it's rooted really in my passion for being a mom, and that as busy as life gets, and as important as work is for me, I always, always put our kids first. And even as, as young adults now, and being a grandma of two, um, that doesn't stop. And I will drop everything for them. And I'll tell you, I have no regrets for that. We've had to do, out, do without a lot of comforts and things over the years and, and make sacrifices. But our kids, now that they're older, will say, Thanks, Mom. Thanks for taking that time and making us number one. So they feel that, right? So I think for moms, just it's it's never easy. Our hearts are always being pulled in so many directions, but to really listen to that voice inside, right? And 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 follow that voice inside is is God speaking to us. So we just have to really listen and be trust right we really have to pray that that uh, prayer of surrender and trust yeah and he will pave the way he will make it okay and, and like that that whole kind of conviction of home first yes um is it, it manifests itself in different ways right because like i know i might have like a super important meeting and i'm driving off to this meeting and then I kind of feel guilty because I, I left my three-year-old hungry, right? And then I think, wait a minute here. Like, first things first. I have a quick example of this, Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. And um, our youngest son, who's now 23, he was a little gaffer and he loved playing board games. And I was very busy in the kitchen. I don't know what I was doing but he had the whole game of life set up in the living room. And he said, mom, do you wanna come and play with me? And at that moment, I thought I have a choice to make. I really don't have time for you right now. My head's somewhere else, I've got things to do. And I stopped and I quickly prayed. And I said, sure, Daniel, I'd love to play. And he remembers that, right? Yeah. And, and so do I. And, and mm -hmm. another, another time, you know, it's, a, it's a beautiful remind it's yeah it's a beautiful because do stick with our kids right yeah they will and stick with us too these are moments that we could have said no to they're little moments but they're so poignant right and they really help remind us that life is made up of all the little moments right the sacred beautiful yeah and i like I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I know I have been guilty of spending too much time online. And I have this clear memory. I had joined a, a support group online and Monica was about 18 months that day, that time. And I was on the support group because I was feeling I was needing support. You know, my husband was traveling a lot. He was away. And then like she comes, she walks up to me and she starts like tugging and tugging and tugging. 
and you know she had a bit of a cold and and she's like crying and they're like in that moment I'm kind of like I need support my child needs me more than I need support at this moment right and it's like you've been trying to get support for an hour on this you know and and it's like I was convicted and then I, I ended up having to take that moment to confession because okay, like getting the 10 minutes of support or the 15 minutes of support. You know, I had this child that had a fever that was hungry and, and I thought, ah, right? And so I always say that I, I never kind of went to confession more than my, when I became a mom because there was like this duty that kind of overcomes you that there's something sacred about, you know, this relationship that I have with this child. And, you know, Teresa, I, I'm sure that you have because you read it everywhere that like the first five years of a child's life are like my mother used to always say that like and I used to always ah mom you know yeah yeah <laughs> are there like a lot of medical and scientific studies that say that those first five years are, are critical in child development well nothing in particular but you always you know you're watching those kids develop so so closely the first few months of their life all the milestones you're making sure they hit physically cognitively socially and then they always say with languages the first five years that the you, you don't have an accent if you if you introduce your child to a certain language before the year five um mark so i i believe it you do the annual visits up until yeah, I, I know I kind of just threw that out. <laughs> different. They do lead testing up until the age of six in Chicago, so you have to check them every year for that. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, and I, I don't I didn't mean to just like but like it, it was sort of like my, my mom used to always kind of ingrain, right? Like those first five years, those first five years. Um and, and so anyway, I know that I'm kind of going anywhere and everywhere, but I I I'm, I'm speechless. No, no. <laughs> so we just want to sort of wrap up a little bit. Um, so balancing work and home, it's, it's not easy. I just want to check to see uh, some of the thoughts here in the, um, oh, okay. So Christina A says she's from St. Patrick's. I remember all the self selfless acts. My mom um, had me with me as a child her abundance of patience, her love, her understanding, and being my biggest fan. Now that I'm a mother, I find times of struggle. I ask my mom, how did she do it? How was she so perfect? She tells me all the time, all she did was try to do her best and that she was far from being perfect. She says, my children will say the same about me when they're older too, because I am a great mom. And uh, I think that our children kind of feel our earnestness, yes. right? And if, if as moms, we're earnestly, you know, doing our best and earnestly, um, they're going to feel our hearts, right? They're going to feel our hearts. Um, so uh, any closing thoughts, Debbie, for you? Because it is 3.02. Okay. We're coming Just yeah, just a quick quote uh, from um, a psychologist that I heard speak recently, and she said, love builds brains. So by being just simply being with our children and loving them, it really helps them develop in terms of the, in their social emotional 
development and their ability to feel connected and attached to us. And when they feel that, then uh, they, can, they can go out in the world and, and do the same, much like uh, Christina was speaking about her mom and now with her children. So I think, yes, we do our best and that's good enough, right? We have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Teresa, any kind of closing thoughts? I was going to say, Debbie, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, do your best, and, and, and it's yeah, got to be good enough. It, it is good enough. It is good. Doing your best. That's right. That's all we can do, what God gives us, and we, we share that. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's, but the one thing that I'm going to leave, you know, moms with the thought is that if, if any profession, or any friend or any book or anything is causing us to harden our hearts, then I think that begins the time where we gotta begin to reevaluate, right? And and like I knew that in my own profession that certain things were causing me to harden my heart and certain things in my profession you know, I, I was an instructor for 10 years at the, you know, Schulich Ex Executive Education Center and, um, you know, teaching customer service seminars to executives. And people, you know, where do you get your energy? Where do you get your strength? Where do you get your joy? And in that setting, I wasn't free to say the daily Eucharist. I couldn't say it. I couldn't say that at the... Schulich Executive Education Center. And that began to cause me a lot of conflict because I was like, I want to be free. I want to be able to be free to say my strength comes from the Holy Spirit. My strength comes from the Eucharist. And uh, after 10 years, I was kind of like, I got to find an environment that allows me just to, you know. And anyway, I've been blessed tremendously. Uh, in this ministry, I know that we, you know, if you're working uh, in a corporation or in, in many places, you, you're not free to say that, right? Um, but but we, we, we want to remember that if we're paying a price in our profession that is too high for us personally, we have to believe that we're accountable to a greater God, you know? Like, we're, we're not accountable to our employers at the end. We're accountable in the end to God. And uh, so anyway, um, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us. Um, thank you, Martine, for joining us. Thank you, uh, Rema, for joining us. Thank you, Vicenta. Thank you, um, just all of you. I know that there's, you know, 30 of us here. And not if, if there's any final questions, Christina, so thank you for your time. Claude, yes, that's true. Um, so uh, thank you, Debbie, for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Dorothy. It's been a real pleasure to meet you, Teresa. Yeah, and me too. It was so nice to meet you too, Debbie, and thanks, Dorothy, for inviting me. Thank you, Dorothy. Yeah, no, it's... God bless uh, all of you. Face-to-face -face one day at the next Dynamic Women of Faith conference. We're at a mother's group meeting. That um, too. If uh, any of you have prayer intentions, um, please jot them in uh, the chat box here because Debbie and Teresa and I 
we're all praying for this session today and we'd like to continue to pray so if you have any specific prayer intentions don't be afraid to put them to type them in here but um anyhow um thank you for joining us all today we want you to remember that you're not alone you have a I always say to my kids, you've got a mother in heaven, you've got our blessed mother, and she's a much better mother than I am. You know, you've got your godmother, <laughs> you've got your aunt, you know, you're not alone, you've got a mother in heaven that loves you. Um, Teresa, I'm, I'm finding myself since I talked to you, praying for you more and more, really admire just all of the just how quickly you responded to the Holy Spirit. And Debbie, I've been praying for you. You know, you're just responding to the Holy Spirit and moving, you know, after 20 years in a house. Um, so thank you, all of you. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you uh, next week, some of you. And if you'd like to be a guest on this program, please send me an email. If you have any ideas on how we can improve, please send me an email. If you have any ideas, send me an email. That's what I'm here for. So thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Debbie. And uh, bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.